welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. Uh, my name's Richard, I'll be your host for September. And we're still doing the months, even though I'm conscious we sometimes break down into the middle of the week. Um, I think I probably need to take myself away to a bit of solitude to be a little bit of alone. Maybe I need called, potentially I might need uh, summoned instead to my place so if i'm gonna go anywhere maybe i need to go to summoner's isle and if i'm gonna go to summoner's isle maybe i need to knock on the door of the cave or the shack that's got the little notice board that says peculiarity on it and then when i'm going to be in there i'm going to maybe be asking to speak to robbie munn because he's going to be able to tell me all about summoner's isle the board game so joining me is is robbie (laughs) munn from summoner's isle the board game so hello robbie hello that was a fabulous intro did you like that? Very much so, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if that was Bake Off, I'd be Star Baker. <laughs> Straight away. Get my vote. There you go. <coughs> Thank you, sir. That's very, very kind of you. Um, the Tonight is a quick start on the kickstart. And due to, um, I'm going to be honest, due to some scheduling and some uh, timing and stuff like that, and because there's only um, about four days to go yeah that's right when recording this um what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick chat we're just going to dive straight into the game itself and then what we're going to do is in about six weeks time robbie's coming back on unless this is an absolute disaster and then he can we can we can give him the normal we're not wizards welcome and the normal we're not wizards grilling and then by that time we'll know how the campaign's done we'll get an update on how he's progressing and how things are doing and then we can have a genuine chat about his good self. How does that sound? Sounds brilliant. That sounds brilliant. Good. Good. The reason that we do things, uh, there's two reasons. The first reason is that uh, the reason that we do this is because um, well, we do it for you guys out there that are listening. We've done our 200th episode now. Mm. Some people would say if we did shoplifting, we would have been out in two years instead of three. Um, and the other reason that we do this is because... Um, I was saying to Robbie in the green room before we had a chat, I've seen him floating about on the various kind of UK Kickstarter boards and presents, and he's always been there kind of turning up and saying, look, I've been doing this with someone as I'll, or look, I've been doing that with someone as I'll. And then he's disappeared and went away, and then he's come back again. And he says, look, here's the latest thing that I've done, here's the latest thing. And he's always been really engaged in the community. And for some reason, he was always on the list as somebody that I said, right, I need to get like him on the show have a chat and then what happened was I put a post out to say oh is anybody's interested and that's when Robbie piped up with like four days to go and I'm like what's going on man <laughs> so he's here hello so we're going to talk about the game but it's going well isn't it it's, it's going really well yeah very happy as um it, yep you never really know what's going to happen with a kickstarter as uh, I was kind of thinking I'd be getting close to funding around about now hopefully that was my <laughs> that was what I was thinking was going to happen. I was being really hopeful we would fund. But, uh, yeah. yeah, funding happened in the first few days and um, it's been a sort of a steady sort of incline and things have been great. You've been like a gentle buzz. There's been a kind of a gentle buzz about it. I know we've been talking about the darling um, that we both like from board meetings, which is Rory J. Summers, um, yeah. who um, is you know, a good friend of mine and uh, he's been a kind of a, a champion of yourself for for a little while now but he was saying right he was actually saying you have to look at this you have to consider backing it because 
um, it looks uh, it looks really really good. So um, it's another reason to get you on because we like to hear success because Kickstarter is such a struggle for a lot of people nowadays, especially if they're starting out for the first time, and especially if they're not, you know, you've not necessarily maybe got like a you've not got the kind of the marketing huge marketing guess kind of backup and especially because you're you know this is your first one yeah yeah. scary dairy absolutely absolutely it's um yeah it's i suppose it's kind of you kind of got to balance out what you can actually do so i decided to put all my efforts into making the game as best as i can and haven't really done much marketing uh but sort of as you say trying to be present in the community and uh, let people sort of get involved with the design so when the maps were developing i made sure that uh, people were able to have their input and it's been really nice yeah, yeah. i think um sometimes in the kickstarter process um some people are quite um they're quite guarding over what's actually happening in the development i think there's always a worry about um um there's always a worry about you know ideas kind of getting stolen or and things like that or people getting kind of getting inspiration from other people's kind of game mechanics and and it's always been nice that you seem to have been really really kind of open with the development from what i've seen you've kind of been like well you know if you want to ask me a question ask me a question and um i'll tell you what's kind of been going on which has always been quite um quite fresh quite welcoming oh that's that's good to hear it's uh, yeah it's been a really organic process um I think all feedback is good, whether it uh, goes against the grain that you were trying to develop or whether it's confirming what your thoughts were. It's um, You kind of got to take it on the chin and sort of roll with it and have some sort of a good think about what everything's being said. And uh, mm-hmm. quite often there are some really good ideas or suggestions, even though they sound really brutal at the time. Um, you think, actually, you know what, that's not a bad idea. Let's, uh, let's see how it works. And you just keep trying things out and then... Uh, it's it's been a nice sort of organic development because of that. Is it is it sometimes is it sometimes difficult to when you get some kind of feedback and it's a really good idea to kind of go almost kick yourself to say why didn't why didn't I think of that was it was it so obvious that I should have maybe done that <laughs> at the beginning? Well, thankfully, nothing like that has been happened. It's all been either confirming what I thought in the deep recesses of my mind um, or mm-hmm. give me a fresh spin on an idea which I hadn't visited for a while. So it's, um, All right. so it's, it's, it's been nice. Nothing's been so dramatic that it's made me uh, kick myself and want to start again. Um, uh, maybe some of the suggestions are maybe, thought, oh, that's, that sounds really hard work, but that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the end it's like, do you know what? It, the hard work will be worth it. So I think it was, uh, uh, actually, one of Rory's suggestions to make yeah. a, a two-player game. So originally, it was going to be a three to four-player game, um, mm-hmm. and I think one of his uh, readers said a two-player game would be nice. And it's like, well, a two-player game wouldn't work. I was trying to figure it out how I could do it, and then it sort of dawned on me um, to stop trying to make a two-player game work within the game and just make a brand new board just for two-player. Yeah, and as soon as I did that, everything just fell into place, and that was a <laughs> why did I do this early? I could have done this a year ago, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that was a, a nice sort of revelation. Yeah, but I've always seen this. I mean, you see this in any business with any kind of creation, and I um, 
I work with um, a lot of businesses in kind of the e-commerce kind of field. Mm -hmm. And I'm continually surprised by the conversation that I have to have to say, um, so this helps you... um, this helps you float three feet off the ground. Yeah, it does. Um, why haven't you said anywhere on your product that this actually helps you float three feet off the ground? Well, because it's obvious, isn't it? So as there's always this too, what I call the too close to the coalface kind of scenario where you've been working on a project for so long, it's really, really difficult to actually take a step back and say, well, is there a, maybe a, sometimes a better way to kind of do things? And I think the best, biggest example, I think, is when you see kind of, kind of rule books. Oh, I yeah. think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's an awful lot of kind of, kind of assumption. I mean, if you were, were you play testing summoners aisle for quite some time. I mean, was that part of the entire process? Uh, yeah. So, I sort of started showing people very early versions of summoners aisle about two years ago. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was it was a game that came out of development as I wanted something to take my mind off of another project I was working on. So I was mm-hmm. working on a game uh, called War of the Nine Realms for Rotan Games. And oh, it's, yeah, okay. It's a quite big game. It's a very different sort of game. It's a sort of miniatures, skirmishy type game. Um, yeah. So Summoner's Isle was some, a project to take my mind off of that project. So I, it gave me sort of downtime from the big project to work, just tinker and have fun again with... Uh, playing with new ideas and then that sort of turned into what it is now uh, i'd have had a lot of that uh, a lot of help with the rule book day talking of rule books is uh yeah. because writing rules is hard it's as you say it's it's very easy to sort of explain a game to somebody but actually writing it down so absolutely anybody can pick up that book and go oh yeah i can play this now yeah it's, it's a yeah. it's wizardry it really is i think it's a difference i think when you're in the playtesting field I think it's easy for you to sit over somebody's shoulder yeah, and to actually say to them, well, actually, what, what you do now, you should do this. What you do now, you should do that. And I think um, I think the rule book is one of the things that I think um, is sometimes developed last, I think, because people are, you know, obviously are hoping to hit stretch goals and they're hoping that that might open up kind of variations you know a different player way of doing something it might need you know might mean different components which means you might need to think about you know changing the rule book kind of in in certain places as well yeah and i think sometimes it's i've seen it a lot um of you know i've recently kind of been involved in helping a couple of people just by saying you know looking at this i don't know where to start yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like but it's not their fault it's because they've been eating, sleeping, and breathing the game for the last kind of twelve months. So to them, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's really, really, really kind of obvious. But um, so, did you? I mean, did you? Have you had kind of like have you had a bit of help with the rule book yourself? Then yeah, yeah. So um, I wrote the basic rules out, uh, and then mm. again, I went onto some community forums, um, mm. and a really lovely chap said, "Well, I can give it a look if you like." Um, so I said, yeah, sure. So I sent it his way. A really nice chap with Philip. And uh, he basically rewrote everything I did. I said, no, you can't say that. You need to say it like this. And I was, I was really, it's kind of a little bit disheartening when you get everything with red lines through it come back to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, did I, did I even use English? I don't know what's going on. Um, but all of this feedback came back. Uh, and so I took it all on board and sort of, uh, worked with him to make the rule book better and then 
another friend of mine who actually uh, writes instruction manuals for anything. So it could be mm. setting a computer, it could be how to build IKEA furniture, is an instructions guy. Uh, so then mm. I gave the rule book to him, and then he made further tweaks. Um, and it came back to me, and then I sort of made some more tweaks, and then it went back to Philip. So it's kind of been passed around the houses, but each time it's been passed around, it's got better and better. But it's really important because it can be the make or break of actually um, learning a game easily enough and, and actually playing a game. Yes. as well and actually playing a game a second time because I don't think there's anything worse than um, going through a game I mean I, I think um, I remember was it Dinosaur Island oh, had right. there was some stuff that was wasn't clear in the first kind of thing about you know what you would what what kind of the certain prestige points were and when you played them or, or did stuff cost that and it led to a bit of confusion and it also led to people kind of buying out of the oh, process yeah. Eyeing out of trying to play it because it's like, well, if this is confusing, well, how am I meant to re- how am I meant to learn the rest of the game if every time I want to reference that section, it's a bit it's a bit too confusing for me. Kind of yeah, thing. no, I do get that. Um, I had that with yeah. a a couple of fantasy flight games where you're constantly flicking back mm-hmm. and forth for different pages, <sighs> and then they came up with a genius idea of releasing a reference book as well as a rule book, which I thought was <laughs> great. I don't know why they didn't do that earlier. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, rules are tough. They're really hard. And Summoner's Isle isn't a hard game. It's uh, relatively simple. It takes two minutes to set up. You can get mm. into playing within minutes. Um, so it's, but how do you articulate that in such a way that it's, all the rules are clear? That's what took some time. And I'm glad I've had mm-hmm. some help. I'm very grateful for the help I've had with it. So how do you play? I mean, I've turned up on your aisle. I'm knocking on your shack door. You've come to the door door and you've said, how did you find me? And the first thing I said was, here, I've brought some cakes. And then you say, okay, I suppose you better come in. Um, I'll put the kettle on. How do I play? (laughs) Yeah, put the kettle on. Put the fire on. And then put the kettle on on top of the fire. And then we're taking this analogy too far, Robbie. (laughs) Too far. (laughs) How do you play the game? This is, you see, this is what happens. At the top of the show, I say, oh, we'll do a quick start to the quick start. We'll do a quick explanation, then we'll get them back on. I can see me just tangenting off like a mm, maths professor whose today's subject is tangents nice. while he's eating a tangerine. How do you play Summoner's Isle, Robbie? Stop me. Okay, so uh, the idea of the game is to earn more energy than your um, opponent's. So you earn energy by summoning creatures onto the island and then siphoning energy off the island itself um, using your sprites. So you've got three different types of creatures. You've got your big worms, which are your sort of your, <clears throat> your anger points, your blockers. You've got your trolls, which are your main fighting force. And you've got your sprites, which are your energy makers. So with, um, with your different creature types, you've got different approaches and how you can use them. They cost different amounts of energy to summon. And because you've got to spend your energy to summon creatures, your energy surplus, your resources are going up and down throughout the whole game. So you might run ahead very quickly, but then you might have to spend all of that energy again to summon more creatures onto the island. So you never really know who's ahead until the last couple of rounds. And then it's like a fight for the either reaching the final amount of energy which is 36 energy or by having more energy than your opponents that's kind of it in a quirks 
think. How does a round? I mean, how does a round take place? I mean, what what do I do? Have I got cards in front of me? Have I got dice in front oh, of right. me? Have I got so, little yeah. tiles in front of me? So there's a few. Yeah, yeah. So the rounds break broke down into three sections. So you've got your summoning phase, uh, where you get your creatures onto the board. Then you've got your uh, actions phase, where you're moving creatures around through designated paths, and that's also where you do your attacking and try and get rid of other people's creatures from the island. Um, and then you've got your energy phase, where you basically have a look at your position of all your creatures and see where you are on the energy track, and then adjust your total energy. And then you start a new round. But each phase is broken down a little bit further. So in a four-player game, you don't want to have to be waiting ages to do something. So you don't have to wait for everyone to summon all of their creatures before it comes around to you. Because not only would you have really poor places to summon things, because everything's been taken up, um, but you're also sitting there doing nothing for a while. So each phase is also broken down into creature type. So mm -hmm. the, the first player would decide if they want to summon their big guy, the worm. Um, if they do or they don't, then it passes around to the next player and so on. And it goes back to the first player, like, do you want to summon your trolls? And then it goes round again. And it goes, lastly, do you want to summon these sprites? And then that goes round all the players again. So that's the first phase. And then it goes on to your action phase. And the action phase starts again with uh, your worms, then your trolls, then your sprites. So hopefully, um, you're not waiting too long to get involved in the game. So there's a very little downtime. It also means the shape of the board is changing quite quickly. So you've got to kind of think on your feet a little bit. You can make plans, but those plans might go slightly askew. So you've got to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. Was that a conscious decision regarding the artwork to kind of not artwork? If you know what I mean. Because the pictures of the creatures themselves are represented by kind of white icons as opposed to having kind of illustrations. Was yes. there a conscious kind of effort to kind of make that the kind of the look? Um, yeah, I wanted to, there was a few things going on. I wanted to make sure that the creatures are easily identifiable on the board. Mm -hmm. So early on, to get around this, um, it was just a silhouette on a coloured tile. And I did... Uh, some quite a lot of research to make sure that the colours of the tokens that are used it wouldn't suit everybody but were as accessible to as many people as possible with regards to colour blindness. Yeah, I see that. And then uh, not long before the Kickstarter happened, I was talking to a graphic designer and he reckoned he could or I asked him if he could prettify the tokens to make them a bit more interesting. And he'd come back with this uh, really nice design. Um, and we adjusted the colours again because once you had all the textures onto the tokens it kind of muddied the colours so we adjusted the colours again so that they would work mm -hmm. um, but in a slightly different way and uh, but kept the creatures still as a silhouette so it's, they're still quite easily identifiable on the board so I think once you've got sort of close to 48 creatures all summoned in one go you want to be able to know where yours are very quickly I mean, and I mean, it does. It's striking. I'm looking at it just now, and it is kind of striking. I mean, because you spent kind of like quite a reasonable amount of time in development, were you able to kind of constantly tweak away at the look and the feel until you got something kind of exactly as you want? Because when you look at this, it's a finished game that's staring me back in the face. 
Robbie. It's not something that looks like it's going to need an awful lot of development. I mean, um, the whole presentation of the Kickstarter is very, very impressive. I mean, was that kind of something you were conscious of? I mean, obviously seeing, being in the Kickstarter community, seeing how Kickstarters were going well and the ones that weren't going so well, were you kind of keeping a tabs on the background again to taking pointers from how they were graphically kind of presenting their campaigns as well? Uh, absolutely, yeah. As um, It's always good to take note of campaigns that are doing well and sort of see how they've laid their pages out and uh, see if mm-hmm. you can take as many top tips as possible and apply them to your own sort of page um and then on top of that the uh the graphic designer helped with the layout of the page as well and he's uh basically took my rudimentary sort of graphic design skills and made them look 300 times better mm-hmm. um and uh yeah no, he's d- done an amazing job because to keep the costs down on the game i tried to do everything myself as far as I could, yeah. um, and it's only towards the later stages uh, where it's like, okay, I'm committed to this now. I need to actually get other people involved, and um, and that's where the graphic designer got in involved and uh, sort of really prettified and made it look like a professional product rather than something I did myself. But uh, mechanically, uh, the game, as you say, has been developing for quite a long time and been tweaking to perfection. Hopefully. So it's um, it's I was I was very happy with the game. Uh, it's only how it looks that has changed in the last sort of three months or so. Yeah, and I think that's also kind of um, represented by the kind of the stretch goals that you've got as well, because it's very um, and it some people it kind of um, grinds their gears, but um, you know, in terms of stretch goals, you're not going to stretch goals. You were saying, and if you get to this level, we're adding the five-player variant, variant, and if you get to this level, we'll give you dice kind yeah. of thing. It all seems to be kind of cosmetic stuff that you're improving on the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is kind of, um, I guess it's cool. I think it's kind of cool, and I think it's also appreciated that if you didn't reach all the stretch goals, it wasn't a case that people were going to end up getting kind of like an inferior any gameplay product or you weren't kind of carving off parts of gameplay or expansions on yeah. the gameplay um, in order to kind of um, kind of help make that kind of um, kind of extra money but is that again because it's a relatively small kind of campaign that you were going for uh well yeah two it's kind of a twofold thing to that as i said right at the beginning i, was, I wasn't really sure how well the campaign was going to go so I wanted to make sure I had as finished a product as possible to go out with it with. Um, so if it just funded, I would have been very happy with what was going to be made. Um, but as it's doing quite well, it's uh, it's able to add in all those little, little extras, which don't really make any change to the actual gameplay, but will hopefully just make a big difference to when you open the box. It will just feel like a, a much higher quality product than I would have originally been able to offer which is all down to the backers they're, they're making it possible it's amazing I mean um, is it the quality shining through here I mean this might be a I guess it might be a controversial statement but I mean you're funded you're not only funded I mean you're funded by kind of at the moment it's almost like three times over you've hit you know you're hit over 12k you're kind of sitting pretty. The game's going to get funded. It looks like you might potentially, kind of, in the last couple of days, bust through the kind of the final stretch goals. 
you mentioned yourself that you didn't really kind of concentrate on the marketing. Is it because of the is it the quality of the product that you think is kind of shining through? Or are you just like, listen, I have no idea why it's done this. I have just I'm just grateful and happy and you know. Um uh, yeah, no, I mean, what's... yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm incredibly grateful and very happy. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really don't know. It's um, yeah, I can't, I don't know how it's happened. It's hopefully <laughs> is because people are seeing something and they like the look of it. <clears throat> it's um, I suppose there's not many small box strategy style games out there. I mean, there, there are some, but there's not loads. Uh, so maybe mm-hmm. it's appealing to that sort of market where people just want. They don't want minis. They just want something that's affordable. You can put in your backpack, take it away with you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have a sort of quite an intense sort of uh, area control game. Uh, maybe, yeah. Hopefully, people are seeing to it what it was designed to be. So, um, hopefully, that is coming across in the page. Do you? I mean, are you when you're doing your day 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 job? Are you involved, kind of like in the gamers industry yourself? Then. No, no, I work uh, for university. Um, I'm a te- oh, okay. I'm a technician. So, oh, okay. So I look after the arts departments and uh, the oh, right. all of the, the uh, yeah, basically making sure your graphic design courses and your architecture courses have everything they need to sort of realise their dreams and make it all happen. So I've got lots of toys I can play with, which is great, which is my, why uh, my prototypes have always been quite nice, I think. So as a while you were kind of like going into the going into the job kind of like an extra 45 minutes early just to get a couple of things done and then kind of staying late at night to get a couple of things. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of sorted out kind of thing. When I first started I the job, pretty... I was wondering what I was going to do on my hour and a bit journey on the train. But it's, <laughs> it soon developed into opening up the laptop and just doing game design. It's been uh, wonderful. And then, yeah, getting yeah. in a bit early, staying some late, uh, doing some late shifts. It's It's been quite nice because once all the students go, you've just got all these it's lovely equipment to play with. Yeah, and they always finish at half two anyway. So it's okay. Go to the pub. Go to the pub. <laughs> See you later. No, it's all right. I'll lock up. It's fine. On you go. Bye. And then the next thing you go, right? What are we do next? Kind of thing. Well, did that um, did that mean in terms of like prototypes and stuff like that? Were you actually able to get kind of like a working prototype together kind of quite quickly then? Yeah, it's been very handy for that. It's uh. Yeah, so because we've got laser cutters and printers and kind of most of what we need mm-hmm. there, and uh, obviously art supply shops just around the corner, oh. it's, I've been able to, apart from the actual art itself, um, been able to put the prototype together quite quickly, and uh, it's been mm-hmm. really nice. So I've been able to turn up to conventions with something that looks kind of okay. Um, as a graphic design is my weakness. Uh, I'm not very good at it. I think it's a real skill that uh, people should be... Uh, thankful and uh, so I kind of muddled through as far as I could um, mm-hmm. and I was just grateful that I managed to find a graphic designer which concentrates on um, the board game industry and just understood what I because I'd already got so far he could see where I was going and it didn't take long for him to produce some nice work from that who, I mean out of interest I mean who who is do you mind naming the graphic designer that you work no, with no, it's, do you um, they'll mind uh, Sebastian from uh, OK Art Studio. All right, okay, okay. Because I think that's one of the things that um, that doesn't sometimes get shouted out enough. Well, it's two things that you know. I think um, sometimes the guys, like the artist guys and stuff like that, sometimes don't get as big a 
as big a praise, I think, sometimes as they should. No, I agree, um, I agree. So, so, so yeah, our artist is Simon, and he's yeah. someone who used to work with, and we stayed in contact, oh, and is really? sort of, uh, I, I kind of put out, on, again, on different Facebook groups and chat groups, uh, looking for an artist to help me out with this design, and I very clumsily put something together in uh, Photoshop, um, and they said, yeah, well, I'll give you a hand if you like. I was like, yeah, sure. And then <laughs> within a couple of weeks, he'd knocked down eight different designs. We've narrowed down to the one we, we both liked. He developed that further, and that became the front cover very quickly. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh, right, yeah, that's great, brilliant. Um, and then it was through talking to... And then the board originally was very abstract. The island itself is based on an old uh, 16th century Dutch... Uh, map of Iceland mm-hmm. um, and I liked the map originally because it just had that classic sort of uh, 16th century feel to it it had monsters in the sea it had volcanoes all over the place and smoke oh, yeah, balloons yeah, yeah. it was really nice um, but I kind of took that and stylized it and made it a bit more like a grid system so it was uh, much yeah. more I suppose um, abstract and that's that they were the original map, so I didn't really think too much beyond that. And it was only around Christmas time when uh, I was talking to some other publishers at uh, Dragon Meet, and um, one in particular said, You know what, you you really need a decent map, you get rid of all this abstract stuff, just get a map on there. I was like, Yeah, again, why didn't I think of that? That's that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, went back to say, again, yeah. Again, it's sometimes being a bit close, isn't it? Yeah. So I went back to Simon and said, do you fancy uh, drawing a map? Have you done a, a map before or an island before? He's like, no, let's give it a go. So uh, we met up in a board game cafe, uh, pulled out loads of board games that had maps on, um, chose the ones we liked and disliked and said, okay, well, we like elements of this. I uh, want to keep the same shape as what we got. So it sticks to that original 16th century uh, island. And... Uh, and then he disappeared for two months and then said, how about this? I was like, brilliant. <laughs> was, yeah, they just came together. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and he also did all I the mean, pictures as well. I mean, and it's it's inexpensive. I mean, cheap is the type of suits that I wear, but I mean, this is inexpensive because it's like, it's £18 yeah. to get through the door. What are you playing at, Robbie? Uh, it's 18 quid. Do you know what I mean? All part of the original... I s- Go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, I spare... You know, there's more that goes in the swear box when I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not on a daily basis. Well, sometimes in an hour. It depends who I'm dealing with. Um, you know, those... You know, those... Uh, those uh, yeah. But eighteen pounds—that's nothing. I'm just like looking at this. I've actually scrolled down and I've scrolled back up again, just to check that I'm not getting it wrong. That this isn't kind of like the entry level, and there's another one. Because that's the thing nowadays—you get kind of like, yeah, and it's uh, forty-nine pounds to get in on the base level, and then it's it's seventy-two thousand pounds if you want the stuff that's actually got the game in it, yeah. kind of thing, which seems to be the kind of the Kickstarter thing. How do you manage this for eighteen pounds? Um, by keeping it simple. It's but it was always my intention to try and uh, get this in the same market like as a card game. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure the box wasn't going to be any bigger than a Munchkin box, um, mm. and 
that you could fit something that is as small as a munchkin box, but maybe get a game that feels as big as a maybe a risk box. <clears throat> so that was that was one of the original design sort of criteria. Um, and the only way to do that was having a folding board, so that kind of suited itself. And then mm-hmm. doing the creatures, it was about keeping them uniformed, uh, so you didn't have too many. Even like right from two years ago, I've sort of decided design choices were based on keeping the cost low. Mm-hmm. Um, so the creatures are all unified, uniform sizes, uh, had to be cardboard because if they were plastic or miniatures, then the price would be double, if not more. So yeah, it's, it's just, I didn't want it to be, no, I wanted it to be considered something you would just pick up and take with you somewhere. So I didn't want it yeah. to be a massive box. And I think if you're having a small box game, there is a limit on how much you can actually charge for that because uh, subconsciously people aren't going to pay £35 for something in a small box. Um, but it does look really, really nice, Robbie. I'd think about it. 32 probably, yeah, actually. I'd probably just jump in, to be honest, because it, <laughs> it is a really, really <laughs> nice-looking game, as I've kind of said. Um if I mean, what we'll do is we'll obviously we'll get the show, we'll we'll make sure that the show notes is full of Kickstarter links, and we'll definitely make sure that yours is one of them. Yeah. Um, probably the only one actually. We'll put it in big letters so everybody can find it. But if people are interested in um, finding you on the interweb nets, where can we mm. find you, good sir? Uh, well, the peculiarity. Uh, .co.uk exists, so you can go on the website mm-hmm. and there's there's a contact page there. Um, mm-hmm. There is a Facebook page for Summoners Isle, which is facebook.com forward slash Summoners Isle. Um, yes. You can find me personally on Twitter under Gumley. Um, it's kind of a name that stuck from a really early Xbox <laughs> uh, tag. <laughs> I think when Xbox Live first came out, it's was like, what do I pick? Uh, Gumley? And it's just happened to be the name of a road that was not far from where I lived, but it's just stuck for all those years. Um, and I'm on uh, Instagram, the same Gumley. So yeah, I think Facebook, Summoners Isle, Peculiarity yeah. is the website. And uh, yeah, yeah Gumley, if you want to have a chat with me personally. Awesome. Awesome. What we'll do is we'll put all of these links into the show notes so that we have notes to show. We know it's been short, sharp and sweet, but as we say, Robbie, would you come back on the show? I'd love to come back. That'd be great. Absolutely fantastic. Um, If you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, uh, go to Tinternets, search We Are Not Wizards. You'll find us. We're everywhere. We're like bad, cheap suits around about the January sales. You know, we might even be the light green ones or the light blue ones that are going to be on sale at just ridiculous cheapness. Um, or those red shoes that you buy that are shiny and you regret later on, but we're definitely everywhere. Um, and you can find us all on your normal kind of podcast catchers. And as we say, if you like us very much, please consider dropping us a subscription through Apple Podcasts. If you like us even more, consider giving us a rating or a review. If you give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars um, because it makes us (laughs) big-headed. Don't give us one. Don't give us one because we cry. 
cry everything nowadays, a bit emotional at the moment. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average, and we're decidedly average. But the person who's not been average tonight is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Mr. Robbie Munn. Thank you very much, sir, for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, as I say, you'll be coming back on. Um, we will be hearing, we'll be delving into um, his past and picking the tiny corners of his mind because um, there's a lot to um, there's a lot to talk about. I feel, but um, hopefully, <laughs> there's only two more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's only two more things to do. Um, the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Robbie? No. Summoners. Good. We're summoners. <laughs> Standing in our aisles. We're thinking about our trolls. We're thinking about our sprites. We're thinking about our worms. We're thinking about our energies. We're thinking about our just winning, summoning, and being on our aisle. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Robbie. Say goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Robbie. To every single time, what do you people <laughs> speak to each other before you come on? And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. And um, 18 quid. Come on. It's funded. You're going to get it in your hands. So go and have a look at it at the very least. It looks stunning. Just go and see it. It looks just, it's really, really nice. And Rory J. Summers really, really likes it. And if Rory J. Summers really, really likes it, you've got to look at it. But until the next time, goodbye. Take care. Wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.